we go. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia. You are now live from the Midnight Circus. This is Lahamadu, and I've got a great show for you today. Today, our featured artist is none other than Dana Fuchs. She's got a brand new release out. We'll be listening to tracks from that. And of course, we'll be talking with Dana at the top of the hour. This is one interview you're not going to want to miss. Now, this is the voice of Indie Blues. This is the show that brings you nothing but currently touring artists who are out there creating new original music rooted in the blues. We embrace the diversity of music that always has and still is being created from those roots. Now, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingascene.org. We got some great articles, CD reviews, artist interviews, and so much more. And you can support us through our Patreon. So definitely, we need, we could use your help. In the meantime, I've got some great new music I can't wait to introduce you to. And of course, I aim to misbehave. Playing 
struts his stuff, he rocks my world, he's my guy and I'm his girl, he's so fine, that man of mine, he's lean and mean, my own James Dean, the prettiest boy I've ever seen, he's born to the man that meets the Shooter, a stand-up guy A soft-spoken man Don't brag too much He can turn me on With a simple touch He's always there To lend me a hand I'm his woman He's my man Holy Moses Ain't no job I love that man About a zillion As a monkey in a monkey tree Love that man of mine He's so fine My heart is burning, so reach out for the flame. 
Here's the blues scale. Now you sing it with me. Breathe. Now let's try it like this.
trapped, torn down on my luck again. Nowhere to run, no place to turn, no one to call my friend. Then I looked in the mirror, saw a different face, so beautiful today. Took back my power, it was mine to embrace. When I heard my mama say, Hey, hey, where there's a woman, there's a way. Hey, 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 hey. I still can hear my mama say, 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 say. Where there's a woman, there's a way. Where I was weak, now I'm strong. With a heart that never fades, life's tested my will for so long. Since the woman that I made, woman to woman, we must pass it down. This is a song to celebrate. Mothers and daughters, we gotta sing it out loud. Got to raise our voices and say, Hey, hey, where there's a woman, there's a way. Hey, 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 hey. I still can hear my mama say, 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 say. Where there's a woman, there's a way.
the phone I'm so crazy about it I can't leave this girl alone Katie Lynn When can I see you again? Yesterday, you sure were looking fine Dressed up to go out Loving on your mind Katie Lynn When can I see you again? Katie Lynn When can I see you again? Well, if it ain't tomorrow I gotta know just where it well, you got my heart racing every time I see your face Reminiscing about the time I had you at my place Katie Lynn, when can I see you again?
was recorded earlier so the producer and cast didn't have to walk home in the dark.
artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And now, here's an indie blues double shot from our featured artist today, Dana Fuchs. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs. I'm gonna wave my banner when you come to town. I won't ask you why you ain't been around. 
Were you finding a reason? Well, I was finding a way to keep on pretending to be. Not too tired of trying, not too tired to say, we just ain't what both of us need. Break it down this lonely life, tear it down, set us free, break it on down, say goodbye, the truth ain't so hard to believe, we kept hoping about it. Gone when I met you, and I was never quite here. Somehow we made it this far. Break it down, lonely life. Tear it down, set us free. Break it on down, say goodbye. Truth ain't so hard to believe. Well, you found you a reason And I found a way We could keep on pretending to be Not too tired of trying We're too scared not to stay Hand in hand we go alone, you and me Don't break it down Slowly lie Don't tear it down Make believe don't break it down Don't say goodbye The truth just won't set us free Ah, the truth just won't set us free No, the truth just won't set us free was Dana Fuchs from her brand new release, and we got Dana on the line right now. Hey, Dana, how you been? I'm good, hanging in there. How about you? You know, I'm doing the same. I'm trying to stay out of trouble, but it's not one of my many talents, so I just put an effort in, you know? (laughs) (laughs) All we can do. That's all we can do. Now, you've been on the show before, and but we always like to give our fans an opportunity to really get to know an artist. And the best way to do that is through your journey, how you got to where you are today. So give us a story of Dana Fuchs. Oh, I don't know if you have enough time for that, but... <laughs> <laughs> Just go for it. Here you go. You know... I- I guess it all started with being the youngest of six kids and just, you know, very tumultuous household, as dysfunctional as most families are, um, maybe more than some, less than others, and music just being the supreme outlet uh, and having exposure to so many different genres of music. It was just in my DNA, and I started singing with my older brother and sister's band at at our small southern town um, near the Panhandle, and... uh, at when I was about nine, then I started singing in a Baptist church shortly after that. Um, 
a black Baptist church, mind you. And I just knew, you know, I said to everybody, I'm either going to be a school teacher because I just had this amazing African-American first grade teacher who kind of saved my life in so many ways. So I always said I'm going to be a school teacher or a rock star. So I figured, let me try rock stardom first. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I just, I started singing with a band that was more than twice my age when I was 16. I took over my sister's old singing gig at the local clubs in the area and after a couple of years I realized okay this isn't going to happen for me in the middle of nowhere I got to get to New York which was always my dream I hitchhiked a ride to two Italians that fought the entire way I rode in the back seat broke <laughs> I told my parents I was going literally just like a couple days before got up to New York and uh you know just started hitting all the open mics just would walk into any little club that you know i heard music coming out of and one of the first being this small club in the lower east side i heard this ripping guitar solo walked in and there was a six foot four black man playing bass guitar and singing and my now music partner more than 20 years later john diamond was then on stage playing a guitar solo to the song i'd rather go blind which i had never heard before um I introduced myself on their set. I was just in awe. I was blown away by what I was hearing. Couldn't believe I, it was this little dive bar that didn't charge anything to get in. And then they, on the break, I talked to John. I introduced myself, and he invited me to sit in because he knew I was aspiring to be a singer, and it was open mic night, and I butchered Stormy Monday. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then after that, John said, well, you have a good instrument, but you don't know how to sing blues. What are you listening to? And that was the one genre I had not been exposed. To. I had been exposed to all the old soul, of course, classic rock, old school country, Hank Williams, Patsy Cline, all of that, but I had not had a blues uh, vocabulary introduced to me. So John was like, do you want to sing this kind of music? You know, listen to who your favorite rock bands were listening to uh, back in the day. And so we started getting together and, and working out covers. And it was just like within a couple of years, we were... You know, one of the top-selling acts at the really prestigious blues rooms in New York City, all over the city. Um, that led to me playing the part of Janis Joplin off Broadway, which led to me getting the film Across the Universe, a musical film with the Beatles soundtrack. And that led to touring for the last, you know, more than decade, signing to Roof Records. And here I am. <laughs> Okay. Well, I got to I got to say Across the Universe is one of my favorite movies. I just Thank love you. that movie and the music and how it was presented, I think was just genius. Um uh, how they presented all the music in there, the Beatles, you know, compositions. So you did and you did a great job as Sexy Sadie. That's for sure. Thank you. That was so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Now, let's talk a little bit about this new release. What was your inspiration for this when you put it out? This new release, you know, I'm really both nervous and excited about because I don't think my audience, people that know my music, have heard just one album that is pretty unadulterated rock and roll. Uh, it's not my usual hodgepodge of like, well, last album, Love Lives On, was definitely going back to my southern soul roots but it was a more soul album with horns i was really leaning heavy on my otis redding influence and artists like that al green um and then this album you know i just i wanted to do a, a, a more like soulful rock album um and it's raw it's dirty 
I think the inspiration was really the climate going on in the world today of like just all the divisiveness. Everybody's got their own opinion that they're calling news, real news, and everybody else's news is fake news and the division. Um, and it's just, it, it's, it's sort of like, come on, guys, we're all on the, the name of the album is Borrowed Time because it's like, we're all on Borrowed Time. What the fuck are we doing? Excuse my language. No, go right ahead. Why are we fighting like this? You know, and, and there are a couple of ballads. Um, you know, I really, I spent the time during the pandemic really reading about the world in a way that I haven't done in order to write this album. I really wanted to immerse myself in the struggles of humanity and that's really what informed every lyric on this album um and then i went in and and the producer heard the demos and he's like guys i'm here in southern rock i'm like you got me i don't even need to hear what you've produced before you said southern rock before i could say it to you see you in michigan <laughs> and that was kind of how it happened we made it in eight days i've never made an album that quickly i've never given over so much control on the recording process every album in the past has been more of a co-production with a great engineer or another producer kind of just helping john and i flush out ideas that we came in with strongly this time i just came in with the songs knowing what i wanted the theme of this album to be about and and knowing that i wanted it to rock Okay. Now, you know, you're on Roof Records, and Thomas Roof is, is well known for giving a lot of control to the artists when they put together a project. How was that environment working with Thomas Roof on this particular project and, and his, you know, input and feedback that allowed you to have this control? You know, Tom is so great that way, and that's really why I went back with him you know our contract had been up so i did love lives on without him and and he really loved that record and then he said okay i want to sign your next one i want to do a new contract but his only stipulation was i want you to get out of new york city and go with a real producer not a great engineer producer but a real producer and give over the reins and he suggested a couple of guys um we had a few we were talking to and and this guy, Bobby Harlow, that we went with, literally, it was the first call when he had really done his homework, listened to the demos, what he said, the direction he said that he was hearing for specific songs was so right in keeping with what I felt in my gut. And then, you know, like I said, he said classic rock. So it was a done deal. Um, but Ruth then just said, okay, go do it. Get it done in eight days. Don't belabor it. Um, and that was the extent of it. And then, you know, we both listened back to the mixes and agreed on some things that we needed to tweak as far as the mix where maybe it got a little too guitar heavy and, and drowning out the voice. Tom and I were both in complete agreement about that. And we went back and just tweaked some of that and the record was done. Okay. Now, let's talk a little bit about you as a songwriter. When you sit down in front of that blank page and you begin that process to write songs, what do you do that allows you to kind of get those gears turning and, and allows you to tap into the muse? You know, for this album, like I said, I really... After Love Lives On, that was like the closing of a chapter. It was a very cathartic album to write, almost 
it, it, you know, it was a blessing and a curse because it really brought the bell out of painful memories um, back up with the loss of family and just a lot of that personal nuclear family struggle and, um, you know, were resurrected and then put to bed for that album. So I thought, what am I going to write about? I, it doesn't have to be so me-centric. And it was just finding my common thread with humanity, with other human beings. And, and so for this album, when I would write the song, I would really just sit. Oftentimes, you know, John Diamond makes it very easy for me because I would go to his house. I wrote every lyric sitting next to him in the Harlem studio that we've been writing and doing our demos in for the last few years. And John would just say, here's some musical riffs and ideas I have. And he would just, I would just sit there with my eyes closed on the little sofa and I'd say, play them down. And as soon as I heard something that jumped, I'd say, stop, let's write that. And I'd say, just keep playing this over and over and over again. He'd pick up the guitar and I'd tell him which part I liked about the little track he'd laid down to keep playing it over and over again. And I would just, type. I would type and I would just think, whose story do I want to tell right now? What's going on in the world that's really inspiring me or moving me or troubling me? And it just kind of flowed. I mean, we wrote every song on this album and people might say, yeah, it sounds like it because they suck. I don't know. <laughs> we wrote them all literally in a couple of weeks. Once I knew, oh shit. Now I had been doing the mental work prior to that, really doing my research, as I said, and diving into the world. But then when we knew, okay, COVID is lifting, we are going to go make this record. It was initially supposed to be in September, so I uh, went to John's every day for two weeks in August, and we wrote the record. Okay. Now, you know, I find that, that lyric is, is one process of the brain. It's a very structured kind of thing where you have a story, continuity, rhyme, meter, you know, all of these structured elements, but melody's a little different. Some songwriters like to work off the groove, others like to work off the cadence of the of the lyric, and then others just like that constrainment of that chord structure. Where do you look to when you go looking for your melodies? It's kind of all of the above. It just depends, you know. Oftentimes, again, I got to give it up for John, my music partner, because just something he'll play, especially with ballads. He's so great. And then he'll just start playing a, like a lead riff or almost like a solo. And I'll, I'll just pick a melody from that. Because John just, he, I call him the hook master. You know, what, what he does on guitar is just, it's so song ready in a sense that I, I always just find getting melodies with him we both create the melodies together and it's oftentimes through notes he's playing on the guitar but John's also quite a good singer and you know he's got a really deep uh, vocabulary of, of all the genres you know we are really both in the same musical boat and so you know I'll sing something along and he'll go oh I like that and what if you went a little more Otis here? What if you went a little more Patsy Cline here? And I'll just know what he's saying. And we just craft it together. Okay. Now, you know, every songwriter has their toolkit, whether it's a pad and a pen or they get into technology and they use their cell phone or home recording studio or even some of the online software like Master Writer or Songwriter's Pad. What What is in your toolkit that you find essential when you sit down to write? 
I am such a Mac girl. My my laptop, I mean, I go to John's with my laptop. I can type faster than I can speak and faster than I can handwrite. So I just literally, I can write a lyric. You know, I'll go back and tweak it, but I can write it in real time as he's playing down the riff because it's just, it's so much easier for me. My brain just works so much better if my fingers are moving along the keyboard. And and then when it's time to record the demo, John's got a nice little studio. I mean, we could we could actually record a whole album there um, if we got smart about just getting some isolation. But, you know, we just sit live in the room with him on the acoustic. Me, I sit on the armchair of his sofa. That's always my vocal spot. I put a pillow under my butt and... <laughs> put the headphones on i sit in front of our you know inexpensive mic we're live in the room so there's bleed so we have to get it right and we have to do it until at least we get a decent takedown because there's no fixing when we're not isolating ourselves from each other um and we just do it with guitar and voice always just guitar and voice because i really believe and i forget what great writer said it i think it might have been leonard cohen but you know a song is good if it works without a whole band without a right. whole production. If it's stripped so down. And, and, yeah. Now, um, let's talk about that moment where you have to declare the song ready to move into production, where you give it to the producer, where you give it to the musicians, allow them to put their fingerprints on it. What do you do to determine what, when that moment is, when the song is ready to move on? You know, it's, it's been really a reliable process that once we feel we've written it and we haven't overthought it, you know, I, I had to convince John of this years ago, like, no, 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 let's set it up and record it professionally the way I just described um, while it's still kind of new before we overthink it and it gets stagnant. And we'll do a few takes and I'll just know, I'll know as I'm singing it, if I get goosebumps or if I get choked up or I get that little move in my stomach, that little butterfly, I'll say to John, that's the one. And it's often entirely imperfect, but the, if the vibe is there and the tempo is there, um, it doesn't matter the imperfections if I went a little off key here and there. And then if, you know, something was really in the vibe, but was blatantly off like he's hitting wrong chords or i'm really off pitch we'll just say okay take that vibe and now redo it without the mistakes but that's really it it's just it's such a feel thing okay now having a good song gives you something to say but going into the studio and creating the sound it gives the song an identity and it also helps create an identity for you as an artist and every artist has their way of working in that environment um to capture their sound and you know you had mentioned earlier that you this is the first time you've done it in eight days you worked with a producer what was the process like for you in that environment that allowed you to capture what you were looking for you know, it was just a right, it was a perfect storm, you know, I have to say. Like, we went, the producer, Bobby, initially was going to have us go to a kind of slick city studio in Detroit. And then he came up with this idea and said, look, you know, if you're bringing the family, the kids, how do you feel about a homemade studio in the country of Michigan? And I just loved that. He said, dogs and fire pits country i was like i'm in and so we went to the studio and home um and i should get you the official name of that because 
I was the first artist. They, it was sort of created to do my record, which is such an honor. And I had the best vocal booth I've ever had in any situation, which was this big room. It was in the, he made the whole studio in the basement. This is Kenny Trudick, um, who was Kid Rock's guy in the heyday of Kid Rock. They, he wrote some of the hits for and with him and played with him. He's a monster guitar player. And it's also the first time we ever tracked with John and another great guitar player. So it's just, I we got some Stones things happening on this album that I'm very excited about. But, you know, we went into the basement of this guy's home. His wife and kids were upstairs. My kids were upstairs. I could hear them rumbling around. It was just, it, I felt like I was on vacation. I just loved being there. And it was the first time it was just homey, so chilled out. And then these great musicians I brought, of course, John and I um, came, came from New York, and we brought our bass player, Jack Daly, who has done all of my records. He's just a monster in the studio. He's just a, you know, the guy that has the right to have all kinds of ego has none, and he's just, he's a one-take, brilliant bass player, knows every genre. You know, he was, he went from Lenny Kravitz in the last several years, he's been Little Steven's main guy, but and now he's doing Spin Doctors, and he's a producer as well. So he's just, he owns his own studio in Asbury, New Jersey. So he just knew, he knows where to take the songs. He's like, you know, John Paul Jones meets James Jamerson. And then um, the producer brought in this drummer who was just a real Detroit rock drummer. And I've never worked with a drummer like this. And he was, again, just like such a badass in the studio and so much fun, so much energy, and just, real deal rock and roll so and then Kenny Trudick this brilliant rock guitar player again one of the most humble people with that much talent I've ever met and those guys were just having so much fun creating from the demos live in the moment so all I had to do was just like alright I'm going to sing the melody I sung on this acoustic demo over this rock and track and let's see what the hell happens and Every song, I don't think we did more than three takes of any song. Wow. Okay. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about getting it out there. You know, Roof Records has a, a great team of people to work with. Uh, and one of the people that you're working with is uh, Patty DeVries of Devious Planet. Um, and, and getting it out to radio, getting it out to press. Uh, tell me a little bit about that relationship with Patty. You know, Patty and my manager work very closely, and, and he's he's someone who has worked with a lot of people in this business, like, on a much bigger level than I am, back from his days at MTV, and, and he, he and Patty are just in sync. He loves working with her. She's just, she just believes in it, you know, and, and she believes in the artists that she gets behind, and she really fights for us. And you can see it because the two of them are working tirelessly. One in the morning, they're up texting or, you know, sending each other files. And Patty is just, you know, she's determined. She's got, she's got the energy for this. I think she just must be such a music lover. And, you know, I'm really glad. I remember um, I got Patty recommended when I was doing my first record off of Roof. We, he hadn't used her on my past records. And... I was told, like, she's going to come over, she's going to meet you, she's got to like you, she can be a little prickly. And man, <laughs> within 10 minutes, I was like, this is a sister from another mister. <laughs> you know, she, you, with Patty, it was just, 
instantaneous. Like we really liked each other and we riffed off each other. And then she did a great job with uh, my last album, Love Lives On. So I was very excited that she was still on board with Thomas Roof and I would get to work with her on this next cycle. Um, you know, it's I hear horror stories of publicists all the time who just take your money you know, they do their little three-month stint and they just throw, you know, a bunch of darts at the wall and they, there's not a lot of passion in, from them or follow-through. And Patty just, like, I feel like she stayed with me the whole year for my last record and I know she kind of does that with roof artists, too. So she's just very committed and it's it's a real rare thing to find in a publicist. Oh, yeah, and she's, she's very easy to work with, that's for sure. So easy. I, like I said, my manager just loves dealing with her he just finds her so easy pleasant smart capable okay now let's talk a little bit about the industry you've been in the industry for, for some time and you've seen a lot of changes as we've gone through this digital revolution and you know the elephant in the room here is that the consumer has embraced streaming as a way to consume music we're not going backwards we're not going to be back to cds we're not going back to vinyl you know vinyl is a great collectible but it's not going to take over the industry like you know it used to um the fact of the matter is is that the consumer no longer looks at recorded music as a product anymore that to purchase it's a service they can look up any artist at any time and listen to their whole catalog without having to pay any extra so for the consumer it's a win-win how has this shift in the consumer's perception of recorded music affected you as an artist such a great question and you know i've had different answers for it in the past because you know when you're a an artist that's just starting out you're like okay good people are getting my music one way or another and then you have that naive hope that oh well if they just want to support me as an artist they'll still buy something or this will get them to come to a show but as we know now it doesn't always translate to that people are just like oh I really like this artist let me share it with somebody else and I like these songs and you know you might get out of you know I'll just use a very small scale but like let's say maybe a hundred people in a day stream your album maybe one of them eventually comes to a show none of them are paying for the music so it is tough but you're right we're not going to go back and and it's i think it's time to find a way for artists to make money off of their art it just seems kind of it's a little unfair i love the people if they love my songs and my music and when someone says oh, I just discovered you on Spotify and I really liked your songs. I'm here at your show. I bought a ticket. And then I'm like, okay, thank you. You rock. You just supported me. And then oftentimes that person will buy a CD, just have something to take home or a vinyl, like you said, to have a collector. I, you know, those are the people that are keeping us alive. But, you know, it's just we're in a world where we take so much for granted and unfortunately music is one of those things i've been guilty of it too so i try to you know not be a hypocrite i like an artist that i discover on spotify and i play their songs um you know i try to support them in other ways it's just i think we have to find a solution that's maybe a little more fair to the artist and and maybe somehow make consumers more aware of like hey you know if you want this artist to keep making music for you you gotta give a little 
Right. Well, I think that's one of the biggest problems that we're having with the digital revolution and with streaming is that um, the result of this inequitable uh, pay scale that we're getting, especially for independent artists, because, you know, the big record companies, they went to Spotify and all these streaming services and they basically carved out a huge portion of the that revenue for themselves. And the independent artists were left with this take it or leave it type mentality. And the result of that is, is that we've diminished that music industry middle class, you know, that that consisted of, you know, studio musicians and, and touring artists and, you know, the independent artists that are out there, even recording engineers, because if there's no value to recorded music, you can't afford to, you know, spend big money to record, you know. So we need to have a, a new way of um, compensating artists so they can have the incentive to continue to create. You know what I Absolutely. mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I notice is there is a technology coming down that's, that's really here. It's already, you know, developed. Is this whole idea of blockchain streaming, which will pay the artists up to 90% um, of the incoming revenue, as opposed to what Billboard magazine had, had laid out is that, you know, currently artists are only getting 12% of the generated income in the music industry, which I think is just ridiculous. Um, what do you think of that as, as going forward? Do you see this new technology as possibly um, evening out the, the playing field for the independent artist? Well, it's certainly promising, and, you know, it's, it's one of the few hopes that we have you know, I think of these music report musicians and I always laugh about it. Like, you know, these official checks you get in the mail. It's sometimes offensive that they even bother to put postage <laughs> and put this nice envelope and this nice print out of this check that's for like a, a dollar. Not even a dollar. Sometimes they're it's like six cents. <laughs> like, <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm not even going to take the time, even on a mobile app that I can deposit my check from my phone. I'm not even going to take the time to do this. Six cents? It's, you know, like save the postage, donate it to a charity, help, you know, fight some of these causes with, with this money, but don't send me a, a check for six cents. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know what you, you mean. Now, you know, another thing that I've seen happening in the industry is that when the pandemic hit and touring really came to a halt, a lot of independent artists started to go up onto the Internet and doing live streams and working their social media. And uh, some of these artists really started to realize that branding and using social media to create a brand uh, became really important. It was a way for them to stay connected to their fan base. Um, and it, it's as we move into the f future, I think branding is going to be really important. And I think that the artists that realize that, that social media, the Internet, is just like a broadcast network. And every artist has the ability to create almost their own reality show kind of, you know, giving their fans that backstage kind of look at their lives. How are you negotiating this whole new world of content creation? You know, it is a whole new world, and, and it was a very fortunate um, 
thing to have during the pandemic. You know, we had a lot of fun doing those live streams and it really surprised me how much it really felt like the audience was there with me. You know, having my manager in the background and John and I just sitting in front of the camera and, you know, my manager in the background holding up notes of who's there from what country and what requests they want and then eventually being able to look for myself on it. It, it was wonderful. Um, and then, of course, what happened is now venues want to film the artist during the set and live stream it and sell tickets. It's, you know, it's still a little, I think it's still being worked out, but I think it is the wave of the future. And, you know, if we can do shows in New York City that people are seeing, you know, late night in Europe or around the Midwest or on the West Coast or, you know, I think you're right. We, this this is another thing that's not going to go backwards. Um it's a live stream media world and artists have to be comfortable embracing that and utilizing it, like be smart enough to utilize it. So yeah, we're always looking for opportunities where we can, you know, communicate with the audience either message wise or show using social media, um, our own equipment. It's, you know, it's a wonderful power to have. And I think partnering up with venues um, you know, when we were doing the Iridium a lot, uh, even before the pandemic, it it was wonderful because I wasn't going to Europe as much. I was very pregnant. European fans were able to tune in and see the show. Right, right. Now, you know, it, it, I think it's going to be important to, uh, an important way to market ourselves in the future. Because let's face it, we know prior to the pandemic that live music had its issues you know uh you know those gigs you know you show up and there's 10 people and eight of them are blood relatives um and they're all watching the television on you know above the bar you know we need to kind of cultivate a new fan base get these um there's a whole actually several generations that really never had a frame of reference of going to see music in the moment you know, they would go to these stadium shows and hear the music that was sounded just like the record, you know, and the excitement is costume changes and choreography and yada yada. But that experience of watching music being created in that moment is in an intimate venue is not something that this particular group has ever really had a frame of reference to. So bringing that to them on the Internet may be that that impetus that would you know get them to see that name on the marquee and say hey i know that person from tiktok or instagram or facebook or whatever and actually buy a ticket and go in and see them do you think that's a possibility for the future i think that's probably the strongest possibility of the future for the future if you want new audiences you know my audience happens to be a little older they still like to come out to live shows but of course the pandemic now with the older demo is a little more threatening and you know who's going to be filling their shoes coming to live to see live shows and i think part of the competition for artists in in that context has been Netflix, you know, binge-watching or, you know, any kind of, not just Netflix, Hulu, whatever it is. People would rather be home, binge-watch, you know, it's just what happened with movie theaters. People can make their theaters at home. So I think, again, we have to embrace that and, and make it special somehow. And I think, you know, also things go in a cycle and then something that 
it seems retro is cool. So at some point, it's going to be cool and retro to go to a little bar and see a good live act. And they, there might be a resurgence of that, but, you know, it, it, that part remains to be seen because, of course, clubs and stuff are suffering as well, especially since the pandemic. So many have had to close. In my time of New York City, every, you know, popular blues venue that was packed every night Man. was gone because they couldn't afford their lease. So that's always going to happen, and that's also something we can't just bitch and moan about. We have to accept that that's going to happen, and find a way through it I think you know part of this is going to be a phoenix that has to rise from the ashes when it all comes crashing down on on every level not just live music not just music um, you know we're a society that does take everything for granted that wants everything right this minute you know Amazon Prime it wasn't enough to get it in two days I need it in two hours you know we are just so eventually I think we're going to see that that mindset hasn't in the long haul served humanity and and I hope from that we will get back to something a little more organic that uh, something that takes a little more time maybe I'm being idealistic maybe I'm old and <laughs> I'm not with hey, the time you know ideal, idealism is is a good thing at this point it it's good ideas that might spark uh, a resurgence now, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. It's always a pleasure to have you on. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there an Indie Blues double shot from your re- new release. You guys are going to love this. You know what? Turn it up loud. Screw the neighbors. We're going to have some fun. <laughs>
blue-mist road Open me a sting of a rock salt low The house on the block got a million ghosts Where the firstborn girl was loved the most Shoot first father, she loved and loathed The daughter and her lover stayed on bitch road In a dark blood cloud about a century old With arms of a curse still got a hold Children all singing on the blue misery road The prize of a soul is still what's so It's never go alone down on blue misery road Never go alone down on blue misery road Oh, I saw a vision in my time Never had the guts to put my neck on the line No one ever bothered Ever ask why first daughter ran crying eyes to the sky? The fog paints blue in the swamp wet land. The sleep blinds your eyes as you drink in the sand. Looking for the moon through the branch of the tree was a dry bone smile staring back at me.
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. No one knows. No 
casting spells with a black hair bomb. A witchy, witchy woman got a nation stacking hope. Breathing new life into your heartless soul. Doing things you ain't never been told.
Okay, we like to slow it on down right here. We like to slow it all the way down. This is a song. From the album entitled Yes, we did. Yes, we did. 
crank it up tonight Anybody familiar with this song tonight? Oh, 
Now I'm singing this song So you can hear it It's been so long Since you were near me What you want me to do I'm lost without you What did I do wrong To cause you to leave me Since you've been gone Without 
Chicken, y'all. Chicken now.
I saw Memphis It was through bloodshot eyes And it didn't seem that big to me Much to my surprise Well, it might have been the liquor Maybe it was all that gin But there had to be a reason For the shape that I was in I remember that I called you From a payphone by the road You said that you'd come pick me up But you never showed And it was three o'clock in the morning And I was standing in the rain That's the last time I saw Memphis And I never did again Graceland, at least that's what I thought. A limousine pulled up behind me, and I heard a voice yell, Stop! And I was locked into the gaze of a pair of steely eyes. He said, You come all the way to see me, let me take you for a ride. And now another might have faded at the possibility this was the ghost of Elvis. Staring back at me For a moment I was tempted Just to get out of the rain But that's the last time I saw Memphis And I never did again
the blues and I feel so lonely I got the world if I could only make you understand Yes, it surely would be grand I'm gonna telephone my baby and ask her won't you please come on Gone, I'm worried all the time Baby, won't you please come home Your daddy's here all alone And I have tried in vain evermore To call your name But when you left you broke my We never part Every hour in the day You can hear me say Baby, won't you please come home To your daddy Baby, won't you please come home Daddy's 
shake it, I'll tell him so. Come on and shake it. you realize how could there possibly be this many blues sitting home alone waiting by the phone you told me to meet you there how we end up here so the plans were made But then you made a change You've changed your mind again When will it end? We may have had a few, yeah Maybe more than one or two In the crowd running wild And I'm liking her style Then it all fades to black I don't think I'll be going black Cause when the lights came on She was in another I better let you know I just can't take no more It's been a strain on my heart Baby girl I just can't take no more Think I gotta let you go You're a stranger in my arms
forget I walked away Even with the pain I feel I know my love is real You crossed the line again All you do is take and spin Only looking to put me down There ain't no more loving found The things you put me through That's something I never do Because I know right from wrong Even when I can't go home I think I better let you know I just can't take no more It's been a strain on my heart Baby girl I just can't take no more I think I gotta let you go You're a stranger in my arms anymore I just can't take no more It's been a strain on my heart, baby girl I think I better let you know I just can't take no more You're a stranger in my arms, baby girl I just can't take no more And now I gotta let you go It's been a strain on my heart, baby girl
That's my show for tonight. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you heard some artists that you didn't know about and enjoyed some artists that you did. And remember, all of these artists that I played on this show are out there right now, touring and creating new original music rooted in the blues. If you want to keep the blues alive, you have to support the artists who are out there creating that new music. Because it is a living art form that is being performed every single night somewhere in the world. So, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingthescene.org. You can find out about some great new artists and the ones that we played on this show tonight. Add them to your playlist. And you can discover them on our website. So, till next time, this is Lahamadou. Tech, I'm out of here. Baby, just gone away. Doctor left home with my friend. I gone, lost my dog, I'm alone. Just fought somebody. I mean, found it funny. I got knocked in the head, man, by old friends. I lie here, think I'm dead. I'm